It's no holds barred. Today's program, action-packed to say the least. We are bringing the heat. We're bringing the fire today. We've got coming up on the program more NBA free agency, more super teams being formed, and we've got the Wimbledon Championships, which kicked off last night. This is no holds barred. The rack gave me the choke on for the focus, man. My money on my mind. Got a meal out the deal and I'm still on the grind. I show the sister filling my stash, she filling my flow. A girl from Buddha, they die and they're ready to go. I'm getting a bottle full of bugs. Look, mommy, I got the head sticking in the ticket. So, what a, what a show we've got today. We've got... Uh, more free agency, more NBA super teams being formed. I guess that's no surprise. I mean, it's going absolutely bananas over there in the States right now. I mean, that league is just totally out of control. Uh, just, I mean, where do you start? Uh, and, and, of course, we've got the the Wimbledon Championships, which started last night. And um, big uh, Alex Bublik, my boy, uh, he was uh, outplayed by Andy Murray, 6-1, 6-4, 6-2. Some clear things to work on, second serve, uh, return a serve. And uh, look, he's going to get stronger. He's got a bright future. Very, very uh, great experience for him there. And uh, he's entertaining. And we'll be seeing a lot more of him. So, uh, you know, not the greatest result, but uh, listen, a great experience for, for Sasha. And uh, look forward to him cracking into that top 100 uh, by the end of the year and then uh, and then moving up towards the top 50 with some some consistent uh, wins at tour level and some consistent tournaments at tour level week in, week out. He's just learning that right now, um, but uh, he is on the rise, so that's exciting stuff. Um, Joe Wilfred Songer got through comfortably, 6-3, 6-2, 6-2. Big Joe Willie, uh, he's dangerous. Keena Shikori, comfortable. 2-2-0 two, two against Cecinato, the Italian. That's an absolute pasting right there. Um, but uh, Nick Kyrgios out. Poor body language from the get-go. Obviously carrying uh, that hip injury and uh, some serious questions about his uh, his physical well-being moving forward uh, on the tour. So he's got to get fitter. He's got to, uh, he's got to get more toned. And... Um, He's starting to find uh, find out that it's uh, it's very physical out there, and uh, he uh, he has to uh, get back on track. He was one of the hottest players in the world through the month of uh, th- month of March, the American Hardcore Swing. Uh, lost, uh, I think Federer was the only guy to uh, to beat him during that time, uh, and he looked like he was well on the way to the top five, being top five by the end of the year, which I predicted. But things are starting to unravel now. And uh, Nick needs to get back on track quickly. Uh, 
that is up to him how quickly he does that. But clearly, he needs a change of mindset and uh, a change of, uh, I guess, p- perspective. Is uh, if we want to go there, if we want to want to go that deep. Uh, but uh, you know, he's still top twenty in the world. But you know, he uh, he should be in the top ten. I would have thought he was in the top ten right about now. But um, you know, injuries are a part of the game, so he needs to uh, he needs to take the the physical side of things a lot more serious. And uh, he needs to be out there uh, week in, week out. If he takes care of the physical side of things, then uh, the mental side of things will, uh, you know, you feel better about your body, you feel better about your consistency out there, week in, week out, your continuation. And, uh, you know, you can't have one without the other. And uh, Nick's finding that out the hard way now. Um, but uh, how quickly he bounces back is entirely up to up to him. So, uh the show goes on, though. The show goes on. You know, Kyrgios is a real interesting one, isn't he? Um, you know, I had a poor Australian Open uh, earlier on in the year and then turned his season around. Uh, he was quite dominant over the, the hard court, um, American hard court swing. I think Federer was the only guy to uh, beat him Uh at those events there, uh, well, a classic match there. I believe it was in uh, Indian Wells in California, where they played three tie breaks and the match went over three hours. And Federer had to pull out uh, all his uh, greatness to get over the line. Um, and it was quite evident there that Nick was uh, on track for the top five by the end of the year. It was actually what I predicted. I was like, you know what? He's the second best player in the world at this point in time. Uh, he should be top five by the end of the year. And uh, since then, besides uh, a Davis Cup performance, which was um, which was uh, successful, uh, he's really struggled. Now, this hip injury is uh, causing a problem, and it's hanging around, and it's forced his withdrawal out of, out of Wimbledon here. His body language was poor from the get-go against the Frenchman out there. Um, so, uh, back to the drawing board for Nick. Uh, you know, he's... Uh, He's at the stage now where he has to understand that, um, you know, week in, week out is the consistency that's needed, uh, you know, to, to reach that top 10. And uh, talent alone and uh, potential is not, gonna, not going to do the job. Uh, he's uh, the number one thing that Nick needs to be doing right now is focusing on his physicality, uh, getting in the gym, uh, making sure that uh, he's ticking all the boxes uh, in terms of uh, his, physical, his physical attributes. Uh, taking care of the uh, the lower back, and um, you know he needs to tone up, lose some body fat. Uh, you know, probably lose about five kilograms. I, w- I would suspect he's a he's a big man. He's a big athlete, about six foot five, six foot six. And uh, if you actually see him in person, and um, you know, uh, meet him in person, he's uh, he's actually uh, bigger than what he looks on television. Uh, so uh, he, uh, you know, he's one of these athletes that, um, you know, these things are going to creep up if you do not take care of them. And uh, unfortunately, he's now out of the tournament, and he has to take a good hard look in the mirror and say, "Oh, all right, well, I can either continue to uh, ignore the the physical side of the game and just rely on my uh, my booming serve, big forehand, and uh, you know, my talent, my physical talent out there, um, or I can." I can get in the gym and I can work hard and I can, uh, you know, no stone unturned and uh, 
you know, have that mentality and that mindset and uh, make a run at the, not only the top 10 but the top five and be going consistently deep into the big events, including including the Grand Slams. Now, um, that's basically Nick's decision. That's entirely up to him. No one can make that decision for him. Um, but sometimes it takes a while for uh, for these young guys to, uh, to, to understand that. It took Leighton Hewitt a while to... Uh, to really flick the switch in regards to that, he had a bit of a falling out with the public as a as a youngster, um, but um, he became more humble and, and a lot more grounded. Uh, the more mature that he got, the more years he spent on tour. Uh, so you know, Nick, he gets a bit of a uh, bit of a tough run of it uh, with the media and the public, and you know his attitude is, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to just going to be me, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's a lot of pressure on him to, to carry that and to, and to walk around with that uh, with that bravado and that persona. And I think it's starting to catch up with him. Uh, he looked mentally fatigued out there. Uh, he looked uh, he looked quite emotional actually. So he did, didn't really look like he was in any uh, any mental condition to compete uh, in a first round match at the Wimbledon Championships. Um, so uh, I think it's uh, it goes hand in hand. Uh, if he once he gets his uh, his physical capabilities in order and he gets fitter and uh, you know he's injury free, you're going to be more mentally fresh. Um, you can't have one without the other. So uh, the mental game is where he needs to uh, clearly needs to improve, but also the physical side of things. So tennis is not only about hitting ground strokes. Uh, it's very big on movement these days at the highest level, at the pro level, uh, recovering, uh, and it's also uh, very. Uh, yeah, very obviously very taxing on the body. It's such a dynamic sport. It's the most dynamic sport on the planet. And uh, off the court, it's you've got to be as professional as you can be because uh, there's small margins out there. And uh, Nick's starting to find that out. So he's at the crossroads in terms of that. He'll be just fine. You know, Nick will figure it out uh, and he'll make the decision. Uh, it's only a matter of just making a decision and saying, you know what, I'm going to max out on my potential. Uh, I don't want to have any regrets. And... Uh, you know, he'll put the work in. Um, how long that takes is uh, entirely up to him. Um, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. It's a, it's a big six months coming up. As I said, huge Davis Cup tie. Semi-finals against uh, Belgium in September, I believe, uh, just after the US Open. Uh, so, the, you know, the semi-final and then a possible final in Australia um, come uh, November is uh, what's on the cards there. So uh, Tennis Australia and uh, Leighton Hewitt would be uh, very anxious on that because he's the, without Kyrgios, uh, the Davis Cup is not a possibility to win uh, without a shadow of a doubt. We need him uh, fully fit if we're to, to compete for that title. Um, but Nick, you know, what Nick could do is he could take a leaf out of it. He just needs to look at, look at the players, uh, you know, that... Uh, to perform week in, week out on tour and take a look at how they do it and copy them. Um, so it's really, uh, you know, it's very simple what he needs to do. Um, the reason why, uh, you know, take a look at Rafael Nadal, um, you know, he's won 10 French Opens. He's, uh, he's still competing at, uh, at an incredible level. Uh, he's a major threat here at the Wimbledon Championships, but week in, week out, no stone unturned. Uh, you know, he, he does all the physical work. Uh, you know, he practices three or four hours at a time on court each time he's out there. Um, 
you know, it's all systems go. It's full blaze on the practice court, 100% intensity. Um, you know, so he maxes out every single time. And the great thing about Nadal is and what makes him so great is every time he's out there on court, you know, he fights and gives 100%, uh, and he plays every point like he's broke. Yeah, I'll say it again. He plays every point like he's broke, like he has no money in his bank account. Now, he's probably he probably has about... Uh, 250 to 300 million dollars plus in his bank account through total prize money and endorsements over the journey over his career um, so you know money's clearly not a problem for Rafael Nadal but he plays like it and that's what makes him so special um, I had this same conversation uh, you know on radio uh, oh, might have been probably 12 months ago with Grigor Dimitrov that's why I was so stoked to see Grigor Dimitrov make the semi-finals of the Australian Open and uh you know, max out on his potential there, almost making the final, playing amazing tennis, because uh, he has the potential to do that, then why isn't he doing it? Uh, you know, he got distracted there, lost focus, um, you know, uh, clearly wasn't putting in the, the work that uh, needed to be, because these guys are able to just cruise along uh, and, and um, you know, beat, you know, 70%, 80% of the players there on tour, you know, have a top, a top 30 ranking, uh, you know, pull in a, a couple of million dollars prize money a year. You know, you've got your endorsements on the side. Pretty good lifestyle. Pretty good lifestyle. Pretty comfortable. Um, but that's the problem. They get too comfortable. And what makes the elite and the super great ones and the superstars of the game, actually the legends and the iconic players like the Federer, um, the Nadal, uh, you know, and Andy Murray is their professionalism and their no stone unturned. They put the hard hat on every single day. And uh, they, they go out there and, and do what they need to do week in, week out, regardless of what's going on on the court, regardless of, uh, you know, how their body feels. But they, they prepare their body the best that they can. So when they're out there, they know they've done everything that they, have, that they could possibly do um, to perform at the highest level. Other guys are clearly not doing this, okay? And Nick Kyrgios is one of them. Um, and it's quite obvious. It's evident. Um, you look at guys, some guys out there on tour, and they're just in cruise control. They're in cruise mode, um, living the lifestyle, um, but that's why they're not fulfilling their potential or maximising uh, their gifts. But the iconic ones like Nadal, Federer, no stone unturned, uh, and that's why they are so dominant uh, over such a long period of time. Um, Kyrgios needs to, uh, needs to take a leaf out of that book. Um, and hopefully uh, when it's all said and done that he can take a look back on his career and say, you know what, I actually am, am proud of uh, how I went there. I, I maxed out of my ability and I, did, I gave it everything I could. Uh, and that is, uh, that's the main thing and that's where he's at right now. He needs to find that. Um, this is uh, no holds barred. This curious stuff, man, <clears throat> just gets so exhausting. People just wanting to know all the time like it's the amount of questions you get like I can't wait it's just constant it's like what's wrong with him you know why did he perform like that why did he, why does he even play why does he bother well you know it's just um, I mean he's just emotional there's just no other way to no other way to put it but uh you know, he'll figure it out. Um, he's crazy. That's the bottom line. Um, we all get there at some stage. So, um, 
it's just um you know he's his very best his very best is so 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 good uh it's just his worst is uh is absolutely diabolical his worst is the absolute uh gutter it's the absolute worst and he's got to find a way to uh bridge that gap between his very best and his his very worst and when he does that um you know you'll see a top 10 and a top five player um you know will it happen i think it will um in the meantime the show must go on and um we're uh we're going to talk about um rafael nadal and uh roger federer they are uh, they're the two hot favorites for this championship um coming in they're both in opposite sides of the draw so uh Everything is tailor-made for uh, for these two guys to play off in the final. So uh, the, the Wimbledon organisers would be very, very happy with that because uh, we know how the Australian Open uh, panned out in January. It was the, the greatest Grand Slam ever, that Australian Open this year in January. And to be there live and to have a role down there live um, for, the, for the three weeks, I was down there for the qualifying event as well. I uh, was down there with... Uh, with Alex and uh, some of the Kazakhstan players. And um, as I said, Alex made the second round there, beating Pui in the first round. He is uh, he lost tonight to Andy Murray, 6-1, 6-4, 6 um, Some clear things to work on there for uh, for, for Sasha. Um, you know, starting with the improving that second serve. Too many double faults tonight. And uh, return of serve is a big one as well. And the physical side of things as well. He's only 20 years of age. And um, when he gets stronger, uh, uh, stronger on a, on a week-to-week basis, um, we'll see him crack into the top, top 100 in the world. I expect uh, uh, top 100 in the world by the end of the year and then um, a full season next year on the, on the main tour. Um, so exciting, exciting things there. But it's Roger, Roger Federer and um, Rafael Nadal. Roger's come in looking extremely, extremely fit. As I said, took off the clay court season. Um, so uh, smart move there, saving his legs. Uh, while some of these other guys, like an Andy Murray, uh, they have uh, crawled into Wimbledon uh, with niggling injuries and uh, insufficient form, inconsistent form. And uh, Murray, uh, Murray's best result so far this year has been a French Open semi-final. Um, that's really about all he's really got to show this year for his season. So uh, the defending champion's got some work to do. Um, Novak Djokovic, not the same player as he once was, got some off-court issues um, that, uh, that he is working through. Um, so he uh, is not the, not the threat that he was. Still uh, clearly a threat to win the title if he, can, if he can get it together. But Nadal, I think, has bypassed him. Nadal looks as strong as ever. And Roger looks as uh, sleek and as confident as ever as well. So, um, look, looking for the dream final. Looking for these two to, uh, to work their way through. And for them to play off in the Wimbledon final in a couple of weeks' time would be an absolute masterclass, an absolute showcase. Uh, Federer has dominated Nadal so far this year, winning the Aussie Open in five and then getting him twice in both uh, on the hard courts, one in, once in Miami and once in California uh, on his way to back-to-back Masters Series titles there. So uh, Roger Federer... Will have the advantage on the grass as well. He's got to be extremely confident that he can get the job done here. And he is a favourite with Nadal, second favourite. So uh, the scene is set. 
um, for these two to, to uh, make their way through and to play off in uh, another legendary final. Uh, looking forward to that indeed. It's going to be a great, great show. Um, you are listening to No Holds Barred. So we're going to segue into some NBA basketball. It's time to talk some hoops on the No Holds Barred program, but I just want to mention here, Stan Varinka has lost the first set here on centre court to Wimbledon Championships. Dan, Daniel Medvedev of Russia, the 21-year-old, six foot six, has come out and has won the first set. He is swatting ground strokes from the back of the court like flies, and uh, Stanley is stunned right now. He's been off balance. He's having problems with his footing, and uh, Medvedev is... Cracking first serves and just swatting ground strokes. And uh, Stanley Varinka is a little bit off balance at this point in time. So um, we'll keep you posted on that one there. That one, that's live. That's a live update right there. So uh, this is the last big match uh, before the end of uh, day one. So uh, Medvedev, one set to love on Varinka. We'll keep you posted on that. Now I want to segue into some hoops, some NBA basketball stateside uh, we've got some goings on um, and this one's an interesting one Rajan Rondo who uh, has bounced around the league uh, since uh, since his time with the Boston Celtics when he won the title there uh, he's moved on to different teams and every single team that he's moved on to um, he's just not he just doesn't get along with players he doesn't get along with coaches uh, he's just um, not a very uh, He's he's a bit of a uh, bit of an outcast when it comes to uh, you know getting along with others uh, socially speaking, and it's interesting because it's been said that his basketball IQ is totally off the charts, and he's he's uh, he's a point guard, and he's a pass first uh, kind of point guard. Shooting has never been one of his uh, fortes or strengths. Uh, so, you know, he's uh, one of the best passers in the league, always up there in the assist category in the NBA. Um, so it's, it's been said his basketball IQ is so off the charts that uh, he just thinks that everyone that he plays with are just not really on his level, don't think on his level. Um, so it's caused a lot of friction with teammates and coaching staff and that kind of thing before, and that's why he, he basically gets run out of town. Now, I believe the Los Angeles Lakers have uh, shown a little bit of interest in Rondo, and he's shown a bit of interest in them. Um, so it's an interesting uh, mix there. We know Lonzo Ball is uh, the, the new face of the franchise, the, uh, you know, to, to be the point guard, uh, to come on in and, and be the pass-first uh, leader and distributor the Lakers need. Um, so Rondo, I'm kind of amused as where he would fit in. Uh, and why why you would want to bring him in uh, to a, a young team into the organisation um, with the possibility that it could only stir stir things up. So um, it's a real interesting one. Kobe Bryant has said that he's been a, a big fan of Rondo, basically because of that high IQ. He can really relate with Rondo. Kobe uh, Kobe's basketball IQ is off the charts. He uh, he found it hard to uh, get along with some teammates because uh, he wanted to elevate them to his level. Um, very similar to a Michael Jordan, I guess, back uh, during his uh, prime years at the Chicago Bulls. But, um, yep, Kobe, uh, Kobe's a fan of Rondo. So uh, we'll keep you posting this one here. Personally, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't want to see Rondo in, in the purple and gold. There's no need for that. Um, you know, but... Uh, 
you know, they may think he can provide some value on a short-term deal, um, get him cheap, maybe provide some leadership to a young team. So that's an interesting one out of left field there. Um, Carmelo Anthony, again, uh, the Houston Rockets uh, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. These are the two teams that are vying for him. Um, they're trying to work out a deal with the Knicks via a, a sign-and-trade uh, kind of set up. He wants out of his contract. Uh, so uh, the waiver that he had it, uh, with his deal, uh, he wants to, he wants to, uh, to exercise that uh, waiver and he wants to move on to either Houston or Cleveland. So um, those two teams are in the race for him there. And last but not least, but Chauncey Billups, uh, the former NBA champion with the Detroit Pistons, uh, he was in the running for the general manager position at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, he's taken his name out of the running for that position, um, and he's going to stay on and be uh, an NBA broadcaster. Just couldn't work out the details there, with, you know, with the money and um, you know the length of contract and that kind of thing. So Chauncey's going to stay put, and he's going to uh, wait to find a better position moving forward. So uh, the hoops, more things are going to go on there. Haywood. Uh, is on the move. Look for him to go to Beantown. I think it makes total sense for Haywood to uh, sign at Boston. I've been saying this. Uh, I think it's a great fit being reunited with his with his old coach Brad Stevens, who coached him at Butler. But uh, you know, as I mentioned uh, on the uh, No Holds Barred program in previous episode, the Miami Heat are in the running as well. Uh, and whenever Pat Riley is in the mix. Uh, and uh, then, uh, then, then they are a threat. The Miami Heat, uh, they're going to be pumping up the lifestyle. They're going to be pumping up South Beach, sun, surf, sand, um, you know, boats, fast cars, you name it. They'll be pumping it up where Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics will be pumping up tradition. They'll be pumping up, uh, come here and win titles. Come, and, come look, at all the, look at all the banners hanging from, uh, from, uh, from our facility. Um, and um, that's going to be their angle. That's going to be their pitch. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, I think Gordon Haywood will be a Boston Celtic. Um, and I'm not too sure if that gives them the firepower to get over LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, next year in the Eastern Conference uh, if they happen to play off again. But Danny Ainge is sitting on some real firepower with all these draft picks. He's just been reluctant to pull the trigger on them uh, for whatever reason up until this stage. And if Gordon Haywood slips through the cracks here, then um, I think Danny Ainge is going to be uh, going to have to answer a lot of questions um, to, from, from the fans because uh, they are wanting, uh, they're wanting him to take some action right now. I mean, Danny Ainge is sitting in his office. He's just acquiring draft picks like they're sports cars. I mean, really, uh, they've got that many picks right now that giving up two or three picks for another superstar player uh, to add to your roster to create a super team is really, uh, really not that big a deal. Um, but for some reason, he's holding on to them um, and he's banking on getting Haywood uh, to really uh, really help out their roster and their, uh, their championship pedigree moving forward. So um, there's plenty going on there over the next couple of days. The dominoes will start to fall into place here soon with uh, Carmelo and Gordon Haywood. And uh, it's exciting to see, uh, see where they end up um, for next season and beyond. Um, so, man, what a show today, huh? Fantastic. So much, so much going on. Like, you know, with the hoops, 
Like, it's been an action-packed day. Uh, you know, round one, Wimbledon, Kyrgios, uh, Bublik, Murray, Nadal. Nadal got through. He was dominant. Uh, it's uh, It's been great. And Stanley Varinka, I think, has just won the... He's just won the second set, so he's one set all with the young Russian Medvedev. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll have the result on that one tomorrow. Um, this is Jade Kolf at the Kolf, man. This is No Holds Barred. We'll see you on tomorrow's program. you just heard was made using anchor ever thought about making your own podcast anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started it's a one-stop shop for recording hosting and distributing podcasts best of all it's a hundred percent free sign up now at anchor.fm new that's anchor.fm new to get started